0: Good morning. It is so good to be with you all today here. My name is Cy Huffer. I'm one of the ministers here at College Heights. And I just love doing what we do. Our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus who changed the world. And a disciple is someone who, at its base level, the kind of key habit, the kind of key thing that we do week after week after week, day after day, is this we hear a word from God, from Jesus. And we put that word into practice. We change our lives because of it. Dallas Willard calls it hearing and obeying. So every week we come in here, we dive into God's word, the Bible, we listen for what he is calling us to do. And then we change our lives, we reorganize our lives as ramifications of that truth. And for this season leading up to Easter, we are studying the last ten chapters of the book of Isaiah. Discovering God's Heart for Justice in the World. We've been in this book since Christmas. Didn't know if you realized that or not. But December 2nd, we started studying Isaiah 1. And we're going to be finishing up Isaiah 66 on Easter Sunday. Pretty cool season in the life of our church. Um, And in this series that we've been doing these last several weeks, we've been focusing on the lens of Isaiah. We look through this lens of justice. Discovering God's heart for justice from this book. And so back a few weeks ago, we started by looking at what the definition of justice is. What is this thing? But according to God's perspective, what is justice? And we define biblical justice as this, dealing with the causes and healing the effects of hell on earth. Meaning we all sin, we all are broken, we all do things that cause hell on earth, sin and brokenness in this world. And God deals with the causes of that. He deals There's justice that is enacted upon people who, who are oppressing others, who are perpetrators. God will deal with them. But there's also healing the effects of hell on earth. It's not just dealing with the oppressors, but coming alongside and restoring the oppressed. Those who are hurt because of sin. And we said that every justice issue, no matter what it is, comes down to restoring one of these four base broken relationships. Our relationship with God. Our relationship with ourselves. Our relationship with others. And our relationship with creation in the world around us. We talked about having... The right motives for justice. It isn't just about getting awards or accolades or kind of another check mark on our religious sheet of of how we're doing with God and our good works. No, it's joining God and what He is doing on this earth. And last week we addressed where to begin when it comes to justice. We addressed the common division of our country over who is to blame for injustices in the world, whether it's broken people or broken systems or society. And what we learn from Isaiah is this, that broken people break society, and yet broken society breaks people. We end it with this one solid truth, that we must begin approaching justice issues, not necessarily with broken people or broken society, because that all is true, but with this, with confession, that every single one of us, all of us, have contributed to this broken society by what we have done and by what we have left Undone. So that's where we kind of ended last week. The injustice begins to end where confession begins. Looking at ourselves in the mirror and owning up to our own brokenness and contribution to injustice in the world. So after we've done that, right? We've we've kind of owned that. Listen, we've contributed to this mess as well. What's next? How do we really begin unraveling the complexities and the intricacies of injustices in the world around us? It is complex. And let me begin by painting a picture of what I think our text today, Isaiah, the last half of Isaiah 59 all the way to 62, what it is talking about up front. Imagine you are walking through the woods, and you come upon a bear in the woods, and and the bear has its foot caught in a trap. He's hurting. He's in pain. He didn't cause this hell on earth for himself. He has been unjustly attacked by this world, yet you being superman i forgot to add that detail up front you're superman the chosen one who's faster than a speeding bullet who is more powerful than a locomotive who can leap tall buildings in a single bound and who can unhinge the trap around the bear's foot the man of steel superman that's who you are before you go and release the bear you examine the whole animal Because you know that every justice issue comes down to what? Broken relationships. And so you use your x-ray vision. You can see the bear's broken relationship with you. He doesn't trust you because it's people like you that trapped him in his bear trap, right? You can see his broken relationship with self. He's afraid that he might die, that this trap is going to be his end, that there's no way to escape. You can see his broken relationship with God, right? There's this separation. There's this like cancer-like system in his heart that he doesn't know anything about, But no matter if you fix his foot or not, you know this, that the cancer in his heart will kill him unless you get in there and remove the tumor. And then there's the obvious broken relationship with the world around him. His foot is caught in a trap, and the pain is terrible. So which broken relationship do you address first? Because here's the reality. Every time you try to approach the bear as Superman to address the injustice, to restore the relationship, the bear reacts. And strikes back at you. Yet you're Superman. You're the anointed one. Surely you can figure this out, right? See, there's an interesting shift of language in the book of Isaiah from Isaiah 59, the first half to the second half. And and, and what happens is we've been talking about injustice in our world, what it is, how we began, the correct motives. But now as this language shifts, we get a who. We get an individual, an, an anointed one, a person that the Lord sets aside to do this work. Look at Isaiah 59, verse 15. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So what happens? So his own arm, achieved salvation for him. His own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. This anointed one, this own arm of God, this individual enters the scene to achieve justice and salvation and righteousness for God. You see, we have our superman to restore all of the brokenness with our bear. So how does this anointed one go about restoring these relationships? You see, first, this anointed one is motivated by the sin in here. Can you guys do that for me? The sin in here. I'm not seeing everybody do it. Okay, let's try that again. Ready? The sin in here. We're going to have some little children's church day, okay? We're going to have some motions. All right, he's motivated by that. that. Look at verse 16. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. See, here's the reality. There's no justice because there's no perfect people. Paul says it this way in Romans 3.23. He says, For all have sinned. All. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what's like really good but also disturbing about that verse? It's the word all. Like... Not like some, not those people, not that person or my boss or the person I sleep next to, right? It's all of you, all of me, all of us, we're all broken and sinners and can contribute to this messed up, jacked up world. We are broken in here, and that must be taken care of. The bear has cancer in his heart, and no matter what happens to his foot in the trap, we must take care of the cancer in his heart or he will die. Friends, let me stop here for a moment and just say this. We follow Jesus and his teachings and his church, and he taught us that we are all broken, messed up, jacked up people. We keep making decisions that are destructive to everyone around us. Even when we don't mean to or don't desire to or don't want to, we still do it. And these decisions, these behaviors, they are called sin. Sin, the whole idea of sin is this. You may have heard that before. Maybe you have some baggage with that word. Here's what sin is. You miss the mark. God's intent for your life was this way, and you lived it this way. You aren't living the created intent for what you were created to do. The full life God had in store for you, you're living less than that. And God, in His perfect justice, must deal with the causes of hell on earth. That means there is a just consequence for breaking the law, the covenant The eternal relationship with an eternal God, with an eternal law, has eternal ramifications. That's eternal death, eternal suffering. Not just hell on earth today, but hell for forever. This is the reality of our sin situation. It is us completely unified with death. That's the bad news of our sin. Here's the good news of God's grace. That God achieved salvation through his own arm. He became the God-man, fully God, fully man, eternal, that he can pay the penalty for the eternal breaking of the law and breaking of the relationship, but he's also man where he can be our representative. He's one of us. He died on the cross to pay the eternal penalty for our sins and rose again to offer us new life through the indwelling of his spirit and walking in step with Jesus. That's the primary broken relationship with God, restored through Jesus' death and resurrection. And as Christians, Christians, we are the only entity on this earth whose primary duty is to restore that relationship. We were set aside by God, like the anointed one in Isaiah 59, to cure the cancer in the heart of the bear and every person called sin. We must be motivated by the brokenness. Where? Can you guys do that? In here. Which is what makes the description of the anointed one's actions in Isaiah 60. Just shocking. Like, we're going to skip down a little bit to verse 17 and 18 with some figurative language and finally get to what I think he's saying he's going to do. Look at this, Isaiah 60, verses 17 and 18. This is what the anointed one's going to do. Instead of bronze, I will bring you gold and silver in place of iron. Instead of wood, I will bring you bronze and iron in place of stones. I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. Friends, this is not what I would expect. We talk about the brokenness in here. The work of the anointed one to heal the brokenness of sin. This relationship that's broken between God and man. Instead, it seems as if he focuses on all of the other broken issues. I'm going to make your economic situation right. I'm going to fix the society that you are a part of so that peace reigns over the land and well-being, the rule of your life. It's like Superman. I'm going straight to the heart of the issue, the cancer in the heart. But he begins by releasing the bear's foot from the trap, dealing with the bear's fears and pain from his foot, his doubts and distrust of others. You see, what we see the work of the anointed is this. Things are made right in here by making things right out there okay let's do that together you ready things are made right in here by making things right out there really i mean that's what the anointed one does and i just can't how does that work think about superman the bear for instance they don't speak the same language they don't view the world through the same lens Yet one can restore the other completely, but he he can cure the cancer in the heart. But the other one will not allow him to because of his foot in the trap. The brokenness out there is so overwhelming that the bear can't even imagine the brokenness in here. And friends, isn't that true not just for the bear or the people in Isaiah, but for you and me here today? It's extremely difficult to focus on the idols, the other things that I worship in my heart when I have a boss that's a micromanager and that makes my life just awful and miserable every single day. It's completely overwhelming to deal with the bitterness in my heart when I continue to experience racial, com- racist comments and actions around me. It's nearly impossible to confess of the secret sins in my heart when I'm living in poverty. Or maybe not in poverty I'm just struggling to get by and I have a lot of debt. It's almost it's so frustrating to try to address the way i treat other people when i think they treat me worse than i treat them the anointed one gets this i mean look at the work that he says he's going to do in isaiah 61 1 through 3 the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me because the lord has anointed me to proclaim what good news to the poor He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Do you see the work of the anointed one? How the sovereign Lord set him aside to bring about justice and wholeness in this world, heaven on earth instead of hell on earth, out there. It's fascinating to me that when Jesus finally begins his ministry, he attends the synagogue in Nazareth. And the very first thing he does is he takes the scroll and they have him teach it. And he opens up the scroll to this text, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. And he gets up and he gives his inaugural address. This is my kingdom. This is what my ministry is going to be about. This is the focus of everything I'm going to do. Let me set the stage right up front. This is why I came. Here it is. And he reads this text. I'm going to make things right out there. And he rolls it up. And he gives it to the attendant. All the eyes are on him. He sits down he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, this is the work of Jesus. This is his ministry. This is the ministry he passes on to his church. Let's do it with me. Ready? Things are made right in here by making things right out there. Ken Eidelman, my former boss, and he used to be president at Ozark Christian College, and he actually attended this church Uh, We worked together in Indiana. He used to say this. He said, good deeds leads to goodwill, which leads to good news. He said it this way. When you do good deeds, that generates goodwill with other people and people that you're close to, which leads to opportunities for you to share the good news of Jesus. I kind of like that. That when you are doing good deeds for people, not in order to share the good news, but because you genuinely care about them. You hurt for the bear with his foot in the trap. And what happens is you hurt for people and you help them by putting food on the table, clothing the naked, getting people jobs, helping them when they are in prison or sick. You earn goodwill with them. And the broken relationship with others is slowly restored. So much so that they begin to trust you, your heart, your intent, your genuine concern for their well-being. So much so that they will listen to the good news of Jesus, not necessarily accept it just immediately. And that's not the point to do that stuff. What to do this stuff is because Jesus calls us to. We love them. We care about them. But they will hear that good news of Jesus differently compared to if you skipped over all the other stuff, the foot in the trap, and you went straight to the cancer in their heart. What's that old saying? People don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. See, concerning social justice issues, we as the evangelical church have continually divided, not just over broken people versus broken systems, but over body and spirit. You see, one side of the equation says this, that we shouldn't really care about people's body. That's not important. It's only temporal, and eternity is at stake. So the body isn't that important. We de- that side devalues the body and puts all of the emphasis on the soul, on the spirit. While the other side of the equation does kind of the opposite, Okay. Let's just love the body and the physical and societal needs today and not talk about sin and grace and their eternal situation with God. It focuses on the body here and now and diminishes the issue of the spirit or of the soul. One cares for the foot in the trap at the expense of the cancer of the heart. And the other cares about the cancer in the heart at the expense of the foot in the trap. You know what Isaiah shows us is that the anointed one does both. Things are made right where? in here by making things right out there. Yet as we keep reading, we see the opposite. You ready for this? Things are made right out there by making things right in here. Okay, you didn't do it that time. <laughs> things are made right out there by making things right in here. Take a look at 61 verses 6 and 7. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Hold up. Like, priests? Like, this is Israel. They had one tribe. They were the priests. Everybody else was normal. Everybody else was common. Everybody else had to have a relationship with God through them. He's saying, no, no, no. Guess what? Through this anointed one's work, you will change. You will be priests. You will be connected. You will be mediating God to everyone else. Things are changing in here. You will feed on the wealth of the nations and the riches you will boast. So there's a this relationship between Ian here and out there. Instead of your shame. I think there's been a big shift in our culture over the last ten to twenty years or so. We're used to, I think, our predominant issue with sin was that we felt guilty about our sin that we need need to be made right. We need to be declared innocent. But there's been a shift. I think more and more of us are not necessarily guilty. uh, Don't feel guilty as the predominant brokenness about sin, but we are ashamed. We feel shame. Not not necessarily the things we've done, but who we are. We just feel like we're, we're worth less than dirt. We've bought into the lies of the enemy that we are just garbage we're less than human we're things that can be used and abused by people in power by this or that person by parents by what they have said to us or coworkers, or bosses or friends and we live our life with our heads down low we just can't even barely look at other people in the eye yet here's what Isaiah says the anointed one will do instead of your shame you will receive a double portion Not just a portion, a double portion from God. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance as one of his children, loved by him. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. This work that the anointed one is going to do out there is through the work he's going to do in here, in the lives of people. He takes care of the poor by transforming people from perpetrators to priests. He binds up the brokenhearted by changing menaces into ministers. He comforts those who mourn by taking away our shame and giving us honor, taking away our sorrow and exchanging it for joy. Ready? Let's do it together. Things are made right out there by making things right in here. You see, if you want to transform the world, transform people. But if you want to transform people, transform their world. It's both body and spirit. Heaven on earth today and heaven on earth later. A couple of years ago, I was out of town for work and was able to connect with one of my friends that I grew up with back in Muskogee. We were so close. We ran around the neighborhood together and rode bikes together. If you saw one of us, you saw the other one. We hadn't seen each other in a really long time, so it was great. We got to get dinner together and spend an evening together. Yet it was also disturbing. He had lost his faith years before, had given up hope in God and transformation of people and the current and the current society and the government and that we're a part of. And in an effort to make things right out there, he was living among the poor and the oppressed in, in a big metropolitan area, trying to make things right. And because he had no faith, he had over time become an anarchist i hate rich people he said you got to kill them steal from them trick them get money from them and give it to the poor modern day robin hood i was shocked that i was hearing these words come from this vessel that used to be my friend that i grew up with i remember telling him i believe if you transform people's hearts they become generous And they want to give of their resources to help those in need. No, no, he said. That takes too long. For him, things are made right out there only through activity out there. Law, force, trickery, crime, anarchy. That's how we right all the wrongs of society. We overthrow it. And friends, when you take faith out of the picture, all you have left is government, is is legislation, is politics, is war, is crime, is force. Out there has to take care of what is wrong out there only through the use of things out there. But this is not the gospel of Isaiah, of the anointed one we see here in the Scriptures. Things are made right, ready? Out there by making things right in here. Hearts are transformed. So the people give of their resources to provide a bed for the homeless. They give of their time to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison. They walk alongside those who are hurting, wanting to get out of poverty, who are hit with an unwanted pregnancy, who are faced with an STI or human trafficking. You see, here's the reality of injustice in our world. Let me finish our little hand motion uh, uh, adventure here today. Ready for this? This is the truth I want to get and just really, really have just... This is the sermon in a sentence. Things are made right out there and in here. Through the one up there. Let's say that again. Things are made right out there and in here. Through the anointed one up there. You see, there's this intimate connection. The kingdom of God comes... When the hearts and lives of people submit to his reign and rule, it's when individuals say, no, no, God's reign and rule over my life, over my heart, over how I do things, is is ultimate beyond everything else. And when individuals do that with their hearts and their lives, guess what? Their world changes. The people who live life around them, their worlds change. And slowly but surely, God transforms this whole society from the inside out. And then when you live in Christian community and maybe your heart is hard to God's work and you live and other people begin showing you grace and forgiveness and and love and compassion, your cold heart begins to be thawed by the community of God around you. And so you change the world around people and it has an impact on what's going on in here. Things are made right out there and in here through the anointed one up there. That's how Isaiah concludes chapter 61. Verses 10 and he says this, I delight greatly in the Lord. This is the, the anointed one talking. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord, he will make righteousness and praise beginning from the inside out to go and basically soak the entire globe. This will make these plants, this garden, these sprouts spring up before all nations. He makes things right out there in here through the one up there for everyone everywhere. It's restoring both the foot in the trap and the cancer in the heart both the body and the spirit, both the hell on earth now and the hell on earth later. And one of our community partners that does this so well is an organization called Watered Gardens. Take a look at this video.
1: My name's James Whitford. I'm the co-founder and executive director of Watered Gardens Gospel Rescue Mission in Joplin, Missouri. My wife and I co-founded this ministry 18 years ago. From the very beginning, the question has been, What is Watered Gardens and where did you get that name? Well, it comes out of the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 58, God is encouraging his people to choose the fast he's chosen, which is to divide our bread with the hungry and to shelter the homeless and to clothe the naked. And that when we do that, there's a promise in store for us. And one of those promises is to be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Our purpose is to serve the church and its mission to help the poor. Now, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Well, we have an outreach center that meets more than 20,000 basic needs every year. Some of that is shelter uh, for men, shelter for women, food, clothing, and many of the basics like that. One of the unique things that we do is we have a Worth Shop. We call it a Worth Shop because we believe that work awakens worth. people's lives. And so rather than handouts which create dependency in people, folks come in and they earn what they need right on the front end. Rather than looking at people as dysfunctional and disabled, we see people as folks who have potential and capacity and ability. Our Forge Center for Virtue and Work is our long-term program for men who make a commitment of 12 to 15 months in length to go through character development and work readiness. So again, we uh, are not operating apart from the church. We require the church's involvement and not just financial support, but on-hand support where Christians are building real relationships with people who are struggling. And it starts with just signing up to be a volunteer. Let me just say ahead of time, thank you for your support. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for praying. And especially thank you for being willing to maybe get involved hands-on because true poverty is cured when we build real relationships with people in need. Yeah.
0: more time, things are made right out there and in here through the anointed one up there. I can't, I kind of wanted to have a seat next to Isaiah as he watched all of these things that he wrote about unfold in the life of Jesus. I mean, he, he was writing this stuff showing, kind of looking ahead to what God's work would be, how it would be done through this anointing. But he had no idea what that was going to look like. I mean, can you imagine Isaiah up in heaven saying, okay, what's this going to look like, God? This you bringing about a new heaven and earth, restoring these relationships. And all of a sudden we see Isaiah 59, God becomes man. And Isaiah's like, I I wrote about that. I didn't know that this is what it was going to look like. God becoming man and living life among us, His perfect life, and then God going up on the cross and dying for our sins. He's like that's that's chapter fifty-three that I wrote. That God gave me. You gave me a picture, and now I'm seeing it. That's the Lamb that's slain, crushed by our iniquities, and by His wounds we are being healed. And when Jesus burst forth from the tomb, and this new creation began, that's restoring and making everything new. He's like that's Isaiah sixty-five and sixty-six. That's the end. I'm I'm seeing it happen now. That's Easter. I now know what I was writing about. And then when he saw the Holy Spirit come and dwell God's people and begin this work out there that's restoring people in here, he would say, there's 61. The Lord's anointing work being done through his people, the church, making things right out there and in here through the one up there, I never could have imagined. And sure, you might be thinking, preacher, I mean, I live in this world. This is nice little hand motions you've shown us today, like, you know, bringing in the airplane or something. But I live in this world. I see the brokenness around me. I see the shadows that are deep within my own spirit. This is not, uh, things are not completely new. And I would say that's actually part of the message of the kingdom of God is that, Right now, we're getting glimpses of heaven on earth that we're having these relationships be made to restore, to be made whole, but not holy yet, not completely yet. They will be in that day we rise with Jesus and we're united with life and with Him and with His creation His purpose for forever and ever. But right now, we're living in the in-between. That already, but not yet, when we get a little piece, a little glimpse of what life without shame is like, life without guilt, life with whole relationships and peace and harmony with our creation. But until that day, we still live in this kind of tension between now and not yet. But one day, God will. When Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. Guess what? One day, it will totally and completely be done. And the good news of Isaiah 62 is this. God gives us a new name he gives us a new identity a new value, new worth through the death and resurrection of Jesus he paid it all for you maybe you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior maybe you don't know what it's like to be made right in here and out there, through the one up there I invite you to come dear. during this song I'll be over here underneath this lightning bolt or up front after service I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like if you have know that this is what Jesus says. This is what Isaiah says to you about what the anointed one is accomplishing in your life. Stand up and let me read this over you today. Go ahead. The Lord made this proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, my people, see your savior comes. See his reward is with him. And his recompense accompanies him. You will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. That's who you are. It's because of what he has done, which means he is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. So why don't you give that to him today?